So I'm delighted to say we have Jeff Neville on today's episode of the Locker Room Podcast. So um, Jeff is a rugby coach, a podcast host, and now a rugby analyst as well. So follow you good the Locker Room Podcast, Jeff. Come to talk to. Yeah, come on, come on. Well, it's brilliant to have you on. Um, I guess the the typical question I have to ask is how is COVID treating you? Yeah, I mean it's fine. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind getting out and seeing people. I think that's the biggest thing I'm missing more than anything. It's, um, I suppose, just the, like, and uh, it's the social interaction. I know you can still do it via Zoom and phone calls and text, but I think we're actually all quite browned off of the, the Zoom quiz and the, the, um, yeah, you know, the banana bread. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm just looking forward to to seeing. I don't even want to to go to a pub or a restaurant or anything. I just want to call over to someone's house for a tea and, you know, a cup of coffee and. Do you know that's it like yeah, that's yeah. Want, um, but you know um no we're very lucky i mean myself and my wife you know we're um we haven't lost a job and we haven't um like everyone we know is healthy you know and uh we actually we had a our first uh we had our first baby there about six yeah, weeks congrats. So, yeah, congrats. Um, yeah so covid's kind of taken you forget about it almost at times because you're too busy trying to get to sleep or something <laughs> like that but uh no, it's been it's been interesting, you know, highs and lows, but certainly we're very lucky, you know, overall. Yeah. So I can't really complain, you know. No, that's good. That's a really mindset to have, and I think I've I've said that to a few people. I think you know the difference going from uh, your sort of life as a coach and seeing maybe 40, 50 people a day to now seeing absolutely no one. Like that's a big shift to make. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, we're on our way out. I'm hoping so anyway. Yeah, that's that's it. Like you can't wait to. Like even like that, you know, even like some Tuesdays or Thursdays, it might be lashing rain. You're thinking, to yourself, "Geez, I don't want to go out in the snow." Like, but once yeah. you get there, you're, you're loving it. And like to think we took something like that for granted is mental. Uh, you're obviously involved in in rugby for a little while, and people might know you better from uh, the loose head on your your social media platforms. And I think we'll come to that. But um, I think I'll I'll just chat to you quickly about sort of your your coaching experience and. I've been warned by my own team captain not to spill any secrets now because uh, the two teams we coach, is, coach are in the same league. But uh, um, obviously you're you're involved in uh, coaching with Valbriggan Rugby Club with the senior women. So um, just like how long have you been with them and how are you finding it? Yeah, I'm there two years now. And um, I suppose, I don't know if you'd even count this year because of uh, how little you've gotten on the pitch and stuff like that. But uh, no, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was different and it's certainly something new for me going into it. Um, like I'd never coached a, a women's team before. So uh, when I was first asked, to be honest, I was actually really excited about it, to be honest, because um, I suppose you always want to, you want to challenge yourself and do something different. So um, it's actually been fantastic. And I suppose the first thing that struck me was, uh, I suppose, just the, the pure hunger to learn more than anything in the, like I had come from coaching under 18 lads and, um, you know, you, I suppose you can't tell a teenager anything, you know, and sometimes you can, you know, sometimes you can say, look, uh, this should be that or X, Y, Z. But, you know, when it comes to basics or when it comes to something like that, a lot of young people may think, oh, I know how to do that or I know how to pass or I've tackled before. I know what that is. But, you know, when I went into Balrigan, a lot of it was, um, trying to bring something new and maybe try and break things down that small bit further and build it back up from the, the beginning. And, um, you know, the, the questions were unreal, the, the hunger for knowledge, a lot of the, a lot of questions were why. And, um, 
you know, to get it to, to when you're asked why I, I'm a big believer, if you can't explain it simply enough, you don't understand it well enough yourself. So it kind of kept me on my toes as well and brought me back to um, you just can't assume uh, because a lot of the time, you know, you, you can't, you, you don't know, even in terms of language, like I might use, I use, I use different language maybe than you do, or I use different language to a player might use. And suddenly they're thinking, what's he talking about? You know, so coming back and breaking it back down was brilliant. And um, especially um, this season or last season, sorry, you know, if you have a couple of new players, suddenly you have to go back right to the beginning, you know, which is something you probably haven't challenged yourself to do. And, in a couple of years or uh, maybe ever, you know, you probably just assumed if you're playing the game at under 18s or if you're playing the game at 20s or senior that you've come through the ranks and you understand it all. So to, to go back initially to the initial basics was something that was uh, that was brilliant because, you know, it's a good refresher course for you and it also challenges you to, to go back to understanding the game from the beginning again, you know. Yeah, and I guess obviously your your analysis work and stuff at the moment will probably help tons with that. But um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that sort of, you know, I coach under 16, under 18 boys, and then I also coach senior women. So it's the lads will just, you give them an instruction, they get on, they go straight into it. But with the women, they'll, they'll ask why, when, when am I going to use it? So it's uh, definitely a, a challenge for a coach. And I think it's a great uh, learning curve for coaches as well. Like you should get involved with girls or women's rugby because it really challenges you. Well, I think, I think you said it there, that question of why. I think even regardless of what level you coach that's a question that you should be asking the players like when you do a drill like why are we doing this even something as small as let's say a pullback pass off a pod like why are we introducing this you know and if if, if the players can't say oh because they're they're quick off the line or they have a blitz defense and it gives you a chance you know to, to get wider off that first wave then like if they can't tell you that then they don't fully understand it themselves so i think asking why regardless of the level is important and um if they don't understand the why I don't think they're going to learn it or they're not going to take it on board as much as they probably could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting as well, because those are sort of the little things that you pick up as a, maybe as a, a male coach in the women's game of the difference between coaching, you know, boys and men and girls and women. So is there, is there anything else that you might've um, noticed in your times? I know a lot of other coaches sort of speak to, you know, managing maybe the, the conflict and that kind of thing as well is a lot different in, men's versus women's sports so is there anything else maybe that that you've noticed i found the i found that the relationships were fine um i didn't think there was any conflict at all in the last couple of years and uh maybe i just blind to it i don't know but um i thought you know like everyone got on real well and it's a very good group and like they never they're like they're so good they're always looking out for each other and anytime something's happened in the last two years be it big or small celebration or otherwise it's been um it's been a real group effort so like that was that was fantastic, and I, I think you'd see that in a in a in a men's team as well. Maybe not to the same extent, um, but they've they've been really good. But in terms of um, in terms of coaching wise and stuff like that, any differences other than the the questions? I don't really think so. Um, like uh, you might have one thing that I did find was, um, and I, I wasn't expecting it at all. And it's just because again at the time I didn't have kids or anything like that, but. Um, I also had never coached a male senior team. It was always under 18s, so it never really came into the, the mix either. But um, I remember once um, one player texted and just said, oh, I can't come training tonight because we don't have a babysitter. And suddenly that was another challenge that it just never crossed my mind, you know, beforehand because I was with 17, 18-year-olds and that just never came up. And um, it was just a challenge. Now, obviously, you know, family comes first, so that was fine. You know, it's 
that's no problem. Like, but you know, it was just little things like that that you had to, if you only had six of training, were you still going to put it on because someone would have to get a babysitter and it would be unfair on that person to come down for 40 minutes of what, do you know? So uh, just kind of managing that side of it was a bit difficult, but uh, it was, uh, difficult is not even a word, um, not even the word, I should say. It's, um, it was more just a, like an added challenge that uh, never kind of crossed my mind, I suppose, before going in. But again, like everything, it was... Um, was very easy act to balance you know once once it came up you got used to it and you 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 dealt with it and that was that like and you know like i said they they're so understanding and they're so good as well that uh it, like if i was unsure of anything i could always ask as well you know and uh i suppose that's that's another kind of challenge i found was um at the very start i wasn't sure of what language to use because i suppose i'd say something like that's your man and then i'd be like oh well that's your player and that's something that I found myself becoming very conscious of as well. And even on Twitter and stuff like that, when I'm talking about a game or when I'm talking about coaching, I'd always say, well, you, you have to ask your player. I won't say you have to ask him. And that's kind of, I suppose, uh, I suppose it should have been something on my mind before that as well. But like you, you learn as you go on, don't you? And um, it's that that was another thing, just the use of language, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it's only something that you become aware of when you're you're in that scenario, and I'd agree with that. I'm I'm sort of uh, someone that uses very gen- gender neutral kind of terms. Like I'd call everybody guys and everybody lads and that kind of thing, and it's um, it's it's never been an issue. But you can see definitely if you've come from a, a world where you're only saying you know boys or or sort of masculine terms, it's it's a bit different coming into um, a, a women's team and, and using those same terms. Yeah, a lot of the time, though, well, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Like you might say, right, we're going to have a five man lineup. But like, you know, that's yeah. just that just tripped off the tongue without thinking. And then suddenly I was like, should I be saying a five man lineup, five player lineup, five person lineup? And, you know, um, they just kind of laughed and they were like, five man's fine. Like, yeah, it's, it's what it's called. You know, it's cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's grand. But then other times, like, you know, like I said, you know, that's your man. And I'd be like, OK, that's your player, you know, and just little changes like that, I suppose. But again, like in terms of a challenge that's not a challenge that's just becoming aware of it you know so um no it's it's, it's really good like it's been um it's been a great well year <laughs> this year is uh, this year is obviously different for everyone like you know but um i suppose the the other challenge would be kind of the structure of the league and how i suppose i suppose when you're in it you see how unimportant they are treated compared to other leagues or other um ages or whatever it is like you know and that's been a struggle as well because um before COVID uh, last season, I think we just were told that there was a change in structure at the end of the season. And that was just, this is happening. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a conversation. It's just, this is happening, deal with it kind of a thing. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a few things like that, but again, it's just part of the challenge, I suppose. And like going to AGMs and trying to change minds and stuff like that and getting in touch with the right people, you know? Yeah, no. And look, I, I know from, uh, I know we've never, met in person or anything but i know from all of your social channels and stuff that and especially from the the sort of guests you've have had have had on your podcast that you know you're you're one to advocate for for women's rugby and women's sport in general so um i guess welcome welcome to that world but um look without uh going into any any details on plays or anything like that i think we'll uh we'll move on or else i might be murdered by my my captain so um obviously a lot of people will know you from um the loose head so just maybe if you could give us a background on, on how you set that up what what was the purpose of it and, and how you're getting on now the purpose of it and why i set it up was actually because i used to work in a boarding school and uh 
that entailed weekends. So sometimes at weekends, a game would be happening when you'd be supervising study or you were stuck indoors and there mightn't be anyone to actually chat about it. So I literally set it up just so I could talk rugby to someone, to be honest with you. And I know there's WhatsApp groups and stuff like that, but uh, I was just, yeah, I was just, I was just, um, I just wanted to talk about games and stuff like that. So I said, I'd try it out and uh, it, it was just a hobby to me. It still is a hobby. Like, you know, it doesn't pay the bills or anything, but um, it was just to, to start and chat about rugby and to kind of, I suppose, look to, to broaden broaden my own knowledge and stuff like that and discussion groups and uh so that's exactly why i set it up just out of i suppose out of boredom to be <laughs> but um yeah it just kind of like i don't want to say it grew because it's not massive or anything like that but uh it just kind of continued to to get that little bit bigger and with the passing of time and uh with the, you know a few discussions you, you it just kind of grew like that and that's that's just how it started yeah just as a just as a hobby yeah, well, deadly. And I, I know you've gotten into a bit of um, analysis work now as well. So you've, if if people haven't checked it out already, obviously you're you're at the loose H or at the loose head, depending yeah, on. Yeah, the loose head was taken um, by a guy <laughs> who hasn't tweeted since like 2016, <laughs> and I've messaged him and I said, and like I remember ages ago, I messaged him and I said, look, um, I don't know if you're actually using this, but like, uh, is the name up for grabs or anything? And I never heard back, so I just said I'd stick with the loose H, and it's it seems to be working okay. So I guess I won't change it now, kind of a thing. Yeah, no, fair enough. But yeah, you you put up some very interesting sort of analysis stuff now recently, um, and obviously you're you're a big fan of Benetton as well. Benetton bandwagon is going, but um, yeah, I'd love to sort of know, like obviously getting into the analysis stuff, I guess you know from a, a coach's perspective as well, it really sort of. I guess ups your own game and ups your own knowledge and stuff. So, um, like, have you picked up anything from your analysis work? Have you have you learned anything that you you didn't know previously? Has it helped? Uh, yeah, like we used to do um, myself and a guy called Mark Roach back um, when we coached together. We used to do analysis on our games when we could, when we could get them videoed and stuff like that. Um, the games we coached in, let's say, and we found that it helped massively just to look back on the game because what you think is happening and what actually happened. And let's say you're thinking back to something that happened in the, I don't know, 12th minute, but you're after seeing another 62 minutes worth of stuff or I hope that math is right. I don't think it is, but <laughs> after seeing another 68 minutes worth of stuff or whatever. Um, the way you remember it and what actually happened could be two different things. So we found that when we, when we recorded the games, it was, um, it was huge, like hugely useful and, I don't even mean pulling stuff like giving the game out and like asking people to watch the whole game. No, sometimes players did want to do that, you know, but um, just little clips. Like, let's say I remember once I went down to Lansdowne and because uh, uh, Roti was playing with Lansdowne at the time and he um, he asked Mike Ruddock for me. So I went down and I just watched a forward session and he asked if I had any questions. I said, just defensive lineouts. Like, how, how do you go about defensive lineouts? And uh he said, well, right, we're doing that tonight, so you can feel free to watch. And he, he's an absolute gentleman. Um, if you ever come across him, he's, 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 um, he's fierce, nice. But uh, so he, we took his defensive drill and we looked at it and uh, he, he was running a five-man drill um, or a five-player drill off, um, off lineouts. And he was using just cones. And it was a case of working on your hinge and everything like that. So long story short, we brought that in. And I remember we ha we had a game and I watched a defensive lineout and just watching one defensive lineout, it was the hinge. It was exactly as we had practiced and everything like that. And we stole it. And I remember, I, you know, I took a video of that clip and I sent it to Mike and I said, that's that's the drill you showed me 
I don't know, a month ago or whatever it was, like, um, thanks a million, like it's really been useful. And, you know, he texts back and he said, that's excellent. And uh, it's great to see. And, you know, it's good to see that you're looking at that analysis as well and making sure it is something that's working rather than something you're just doing for the sake of doing. And we found then that little things like, okay, we might watch a game and you might realize that okay, it could be the lineout, you know, the lineout's not functioning and what's going wrong. And you could say, oh, while watching the game, you know, you might look at 12 lineouts or whatever it is and say, okay, it could be Anton because you're looking from 40, 50 meters across the pitch or whatever. But then when you watch the video, you can say, okay, he missed his lift or they didn't get there in time or the throw was too high or, you know, it, it just made things that bit easier. So being able to clip those games then or just being able to clip little moments of a game and saying this was very good and even just something as simple as a picture, a screenshot, you know, and you could say, look how bunched we are at the rock there. You know, our pillar AB might be within five yards. Like that needs to be better. And just being able to show them a picture rather than saying it. And it's when they see themselves in that situation, you know, it's something it's, it, it just clicks in their head kind of thing. It's totally different. And, um, we like with Balbriggan now and everything like we um when we can we video and we do a small bit of video we've done it a couple of times not as much as I'd like but you know that's part that's part of everything I suppose you know but um you know when we do do it you know and we 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 show the video and we show clips and stuff like that it's important I feel that not just that we're learning from it but also that we're showing not just the negatives I should say but um or the work ons but you know what we really done well and um I remember doing one video session. And at the end, I said, I'm not even going to show anything from the second half because I remember this game, all we did, like literally all we did for the second half was defend. And I just said, I'm not going to show anything from the second half because the whole thing was positive. Like everything was brilliant. You'd be here all day watching it. Like, and, um, you know, just showing little clips of you might have like a hit of the day or, you know, play of the day or break of the day, just little things like that. And uh, it could be something as simple as a player off the ball who's worked really hard to get in the position to do something and just highlighting that and saying, like that required no talent or that required, you know, they didn't have the ball like for 30 seconds before that. And they might've scored the try. Yeah. But look where they came from kind of a thing and to applaud kind of the unseen work. And I suppose with the analysis then that I'm doing now, sorry if I'm rambling on, this is probably a long, <laughs> it's probably a long answer for a short. Not at question, all. Not but, at all. But uh, the analysis now um, that I'm doing, it's just something simple because we don't have coaching at the moment ourselves. And um, I just missed kind of that aspect of the game and seeing what was going wrong or seeing what was going right and what would you change or how would you highlight it and uh it was just a case of yeah just getting myself just keeping myself ticking over and as I was doing it anyway I said sure I might as well just make a video and uh just send it out and um I put up uh a tweet not too long ago and I said any coaches who want us you know you, you can have and they you know you can like because um Bernard Jackman's another guy and I've, I've, I've spoken to him a few times and he, he's very, like, he does a lot of analysis and he sent me a couple without me even asking. He just said, there you go and have a look. And, uh, you know, it was stuff he was putting on RT maybe a couple of days later, you know, and he was just saying, keep that to yourself, but this is what I'm looking at and etc. And I remember one video he sent me, it was the kicking one he did killing the Kings, which was very good. And, um, he sent that to me and a, fr a friend of mine's a defensive coach as well with Trinity Shane Murray. And I said, uh, do you mind if I pass that on to him? And he said, absolutely not at all. Like work away. It's fine. Uh, that's what it's for. So um, the fact he's so open with everything uh, just kind of makes me, well, a lot of coaches are quite open with everything. And uh, so when I made those videos, I said, look, you can have them if you want. Um, it, it's there to be learned from. And 
same with the podcast, same with everything. It's not behind the paywall. It's not behind the Patreon or anything. It's uh, if it helps you, you can have it. And like, I've been quite lucky that I've been shadowed by, or I've shadowed coaches. I've worked with guys like Seamus Toomey, or I've worked with um, school coaches like who've been excellent as well. And uh, even coaches, club coaches, you know, that I've worked with and other players that I've worked with, and they've been so open and everything that I just feel, you know, it's important to kind of pass the book or to, well, pass the book's a bad thing, isn't it? Um, but pass, <laughs> pass, the, pass, pass it on, pass the knowledge on, you know, or whatever it is like. And um, no, it was, it was just a way to stay in the game and to, to kind of try and identify trends and stuff like that or see little clips. Like we, we saw a one line out that was excellent. And uh, I remember I just thought to myself, like, that is such a simple form. And I like I sent it to our, our club captain. I was like, it's ideal. It's so simple, so straightforward. Let's bring it in, you know, and she was like spot on. And like you don't get that just by watching a game and kind of by half blinking, you know, I think you do have to study it a little bit. I'm not saying eat and breathe it because I don't uh, eat and breathe it either. But um, just kind of you, you have to kind of look for things, I suppose, or you'll never find them, you know. Yeah, that was, a, that was a very long answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I think that's uh, an interesting thing as well, because I've always wondered sort of, you know, how do you develop that analysis? Eye? So how do you sort of pick those couple of uh, instances that you want to put together and make a little clip out of? Um, I think sometimes it's just by seeing it. Uh, so I made a video before about Keatley and uh, that was just from watching Benetton Ospreys and seeing him with ball in hand. And he was just like quarterback in the whole game. He was just putting Benetton in the right places, but it was the different kicks he'd use. So it might be a grubber, it might be just a bomb, it might be a little, whatever, a little chip over the top or something like that. But I remember watching the game and just thinking to myself, like he is really, like he's just quarterback in this game. Brilliant. And maybe people are watching this game, especially maybe younger players who are thinking, you know, oh, I'd, I'd love to be an out half or something like that. But just to make a little... I suppose montage for a better word I don't know but just explaining the reasons why he put in different kicks and you know just saying it's not out of chance he did it like you know there's one kick he did in that video and uh you can see the defense coming you can see him point against the green and he just kicks it back in behind him you know and uh it's just pointing little things out like that or um you know to to spot these things then as well like sometimes I don't sometimes it might just be a strike move and what interests me off that is like where did he where did that player come from um or why did they go wide to come back in or what did the fence do to allow that to happen like it was another video it was actually against Benetton and um they were down a yellow card and I can't remember who scored it I think it was against Dragons but essentially they just they they uh, the Benetton sorry had a midfield yellow and it's just the move that um it's just the move that or it could have been Connacht, actually. Apologies, I think it was Connacht. And um, it's just the way they exploited that yellow card because the winger had to come in and defend at 13. And suddenly that left space somewhere else, you know? So just little things like this to see why something happened or what happened. Um, I wouldn't ne I wouldn't necessarily look for something, um, but one that, um, Bern again, it was Bernard Jackman, um, broad to my knowledge, it was, he said, you need four positives. And he was talking to me on the phone about this um, after watching a Leinster game. And he, he just broke it down very simply. He was like, Leinster scored here, but let's look four or four plays behind it. You know, Munster kicked, or Leinster kicked, and he should have dealt with this. It was a knock-on, scrum, scrum penalty, line-out, line-out, maul, penalty, etc. And he built it up in four. And he was like, when you look at it, you, lo you a lot of scores, you can see there's been four very good positives. A lot, of a lot of teams or a lot of, you know, coaches sometimes might look at the negatives and say, oh, they should have dealt with this better. 
but he said, but look at how well they capitalized on somebody else's mistake. That's, that's a huge positive. And um, that's something I've actually seen an awful lot of. And uh, sometimes when you see a score, like I'll rewind it and I'll say, okay, where did that happen? Or where did they get the lineup before that? Where did that lineup come from? Do you know, was it a drop pass? Was it a good kick? And a lot of the times, like it's surprising to see that it's actually four very good plays leading up to it. It's not just, uh, you know, someone might look at a line out on the 40 meter and say, okay, they scored off a line out 38, 30 meters out or whatever it is. Um, that was a really good play, but it might have been four or three or five very, very good plays before it, not to build momentum, but to certainly to put them in the situation to do so, you know. So, uh, yeah, um, again, very long answer for a very short question. Um, I wouldn't necessarily look like I wouldn't sit down and say, oh, I'm going to look at X, Y, Z. And hopefully that happens because, you know, yourself, you, you go to watch a game and you say, OK, I'm going to play or cam this player. He's a mayor, you know, and uh, it's it's a commentator's curse, I suppose, more than anything. But uh, it's just more kind of noticing something and uh, seeing is that a constant thread, you know, and it might only happen twice or you might notice something like um I don't know how, um, if you look at Racing and how they attack the, the fringe at the Rook, you know, and um, they have they always have eyes on a, a defender and they, they always they always point to two defenders, you know. Um, so just little things like that to see how common that is. But um, sometimes it might just be a, a spark or a strike play like that or it just kind of depends what happens, you know. Yeah, the whole, that's, that's really cool. And would you have any advice for sort of coaches who are, are looking to sort of, I guess, you know, become aware of maybe trends in, in pro rugby or, or what's going on? Like, how do they start to pick up, I guess, those those little, you know, the four positives or how do they start to pick up, you know, what to look for? Um, I suppose just by watching a lot, um, just watch and kind of be aware of of what you're looking for, I suppose. Um, I think a lot, I think if you sit down and watch a game, like I, I'll sit down and watch a game absentmindedly, you know, if um, if I'm trying to, get the baby to sleep or something like that you're actually not watching the game you know or if you're on your phone you're not really watching the game you, you'll catch you'll catch the commentator getting excited and you'll look up and you'll see something but I think a lot of the time to if you want if you want to um if you want to see something I think you have to go into it with the clear idea of okay I want to see how they and something general I can't I don't think you can do it with something very specific like I, I want to see how um well, I don't know. I want to see how they react off a line out five meters out because that might only happen once, you know, or it might happen twice, you know. I think you have to say, okay, I want to see how Murray box kicks. I want to see how many times they get possession back immediately, possession back after maybe three phases or if they lose possession completely. And I think doing that constantly and seeing then, like you might do it for, I don't know, a Munster game, then you might do it for a Connacht game, you might do it for a Leinster game and you might see, okay, out of these five games altogether, there's been... I don't know, 50 box kicks, they got 10 back straight away, maybe 12 back after three phases, you know, something like that. Um, I think you do have to be general enough. And if you go in with too detailed uh, a vision, it's going to be very tough to pick out. And not only that, you'll miss what else is going on around because you, you won't be looking for it. Like if, like that, if you say, I want to see how, Kate, how Casey passes the ball, you might miss what... I don't know, JJ does on a 10 or, you know, who stands at first receiver how many times, you know, there's, there's different things you might miss as a result. So I think just having a general idea of what you want to see um, and just kind of keeping tabs on it. Um, but also, I don't think there's any harm if you have the reach or if you have the ability or if you have the number of a coach 
to text them beforehand as well and say, I'd like to, you know, I'm keeping an eye on this tonight. What do you think? Or even take a little video clip of it and send it on and just say, why did this happen? Or what's the story here? And I, th I think there's so much to learn that way as well from using not even social media, but something as simple as WhatsApp, you know, uh, as a tool. Um, that's massive as well, you know? Yeah, and I think like generally, I guess because of the, the type of work that we have to do in coaching, that like a lot of coaches are, you know, sociable and, and willing to share and willing to talk. So um, I think that's a, a, re a really good good bit of advice, you know, just just sort of reach out or, or post a question on Twitter kind of thing. And like someone random might get back to you, but they might actually have the answer for you, which is cool. I think reaching out is essentially the best thing you can do because I mean like I don't I like I don't know everything and nobody does know everything and I won't even begin like there's far more coaches out there with far more experience at far higher levels than I am and I've reached out to them and they've gotten back to me to the point where even like um, Ian Costello or Mike Prendergast over in Rasting or like even Bernard Jackman you know I feel that if I ask them a question like I, f I feel like I could take a video of something and say, is this X, Y, and Z? And that they would get back to me because, I mean, I've reached out before and they've been very kind with their time, you know? And I think the worst thing is, or the worst thing that could happen is they say, no, like you could reach out and they might get back to you. Okay, fine. You might say, are you free for a phone call? Cause I'd like to discuss something. They might say, no. Okay. That's, that's fine. But at the same time, if they say, yes, you're going to take two, three points of knowledge away from that. And that's massive. That's something you can't read or that's something you can't, you know, see on video. It's a discussion's massive. Yeah. Look, absolutely no harm in asking, I guess. Um, yeah. And just the, the last thing on your sort of analysis work then, um, have you seen any trends lately in, in pro rugby? In terms of trends I've seen, well, I think we've all seen a lot more kicking um, mm. over the last maybe year or two, uh, certainly the last year. And that's just a result of the breakdown laws, I suppose. And I think Eddie Jones said it himself, the team who kicks most wins, you know, and uh, I suppose it's it's easier to defend now because of those breakdown laws. But other ones would be, and Murray Kinslow was very hot on this for a while, it was the off the tail of a lineout, just that inside ball back in. And I know uh, it was a Kevin O'Byrne was throwing those passes there a couple of times there and you know, it's it's um just coming out around the back off that. I'm pretty sure Dragon scored against Connacht or was it Benetton in the same exact same fashion, just coming back off that kind of strike. Um, I saw that um I saw that post from Murray actually of sort of the inside ball off um a line out and obviously the kicking is 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 sort of very popular at the moment. And I I don't know about you, but I'm personally a big fan of just like anyone on the pitch. Like if you if you think there's a chip on, you think there's a a bit of a grubber on and that someone might be able to chase like whether it's your your loose head or if it's the 10 I'm a, a major fan of them just giving it a go especially look obviously I'm not coaching international rugby but I think you know it's a it's a skill that anyone can do and if they have the vision and if they think it's on sure give it a shot if it works brilliant if it doesn't no, you know, no, I, you're, you're dead right um was it the Leinster A and Ulster A game there um a couple of weeks ago the number eight I think for Ulster, put a little chip in off the back of a rook and not a chip. I think it was a grower, but he, just, he put a ball through anyway, regardless. But I mean, it was on. It was the right decision. The execution was actually brilliant. And the, the Leinster winger did really well to get back and to, to cover it. Like, But I mean, if I remember seeing that. And if you're a coach and your number eight does that, and let's say the Leinster winger gets back like he did and, you know, cleans up, 
And if you're if you're a coach and you say to your eight, "What are you kicking that for? We didn't score and we gave away possession." I think you're off the wall. I think you're completely wrong because it was the right decision. Um, because if that winger was a half second later in turning, it's a try, and it's a like an unbelievable assist for a number eight, um, or for anyone really, you know. Um, so I do think if it's on, it's on. And uh, Noel McNamara, um, no, sorry, it wasn't. It was um, Adam Grigg said that as well. He said, um, you know, you have to look at the execute the decision versus the execution. If, if it was a poor decision just done because you felt like doing it, then I'm going to give out to you. But if it was a good decision, I'm going to be pleased with you. Now, if it's a good decision and it doesn't work out, well, then we look at the execution and we upskill you in what you've done, you know. Now I know if if, uh, if it was a if it was a tight head prop, you know, who put the kick in, you're not going to spend time with your tight head prop kicking all the time. But certainly you're going to look at him and go, you know, that's on that that's that's the play we have within our vision. So I'm not going to like you, you can't call someone for that, you know. They they've employed what you've been trying to do, and uh, it's just the execution was slightly off. But um, I do think you have to look at the decision versus the execution because not only that, but a player knows themselves um, when they do something. And if it, if it doesn't work out, the player knows themselves, look, that was on or that wasn't on, or a player will know, oh, geez, I shouldn't have done that. And the last thing they need is somebody else uh, on top of that internal voice they have saying, what are you doing that for? And, you know, who, who, where do you think you're playing? You're not a 10 or you're not a, like, they don't need that, you know? And um, I think that's a big thing. The younger you go, as well, you know, if you have an under 16s team or an under 18s team, um, especially 18s to 20s, kind of, you can kind of lose that vision, I suppose. Of uh, you might have you're a hooker, you're a prop, you're a this, you're a that. Like, and I think it's important that you don't lose that sense of letting the player make a decision if it's on, you know, and it could be something as simple as an offload. If the offload's on, it's on. And I've been lucky enough to play or under some terrible coaches who would give out to you for throwing an offload even if it was the right decision and uh, you know they, I remember we had one coach in college and he used to say kiss a lot keep it simple stupid and if you tried something didn't come off he'd be like keep it simple and you're thinking but that's not that's not the decision that's not the decision in front of me the decision in front of me was to give that pass or to give that offload but he'd never ask you what you saw he'd just ask you why you did it and uh, you know I think it's important to 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 keep that element of or to keep that viewpoint of was the decision correct and asking the player what they saw rather than why they did something yeah i agree a lot awful lot with that like a, ma- a major fan of sort of player autonomy over decisions and that kind of thing and you know especially me who i haven't been involved in rugby for an awful long time so i'd you know quite often be coaching players who have played rugby longer than i've been coaching it so you know at times you have to sort of sit back let them run with it and you know in, in the school i'm coaching we have this great number nine who literally every training session comes up they, he's seen some you know random clip from like the 80s of this play that was done um off a, a scrum or a line out or something and he comes up and asks can we try that and yeah absolutely you know go for it like if it makes them excited to play rugby Absolutely. I'm sure like it might, you know, might score us a try, might get us a penalty in a good spot kind of thing. There's absolutely no harm in my view. Oh, no, we had a line out, I remember. And uh, if anyone listening in was part of it, they'll remember this with fond memories. But we called it a Pablo Chacon. And uh, what it was is we went up the tail, came down, nine came around like they were taking the ball. But the back lifter would take the ball and go straight. And we used to we used to 
run I don't mind sharing it either because we have like <laughs> this is a long time ago but uh, we saw it in an Ireland game and um, I remember someone took a video of it and sent it into the coaches group and was like that was class let's do it so we went training the next day and uh, went out with the lads it was under 18s at the time and we said look we have this lineup move off the tail now don't get me wrong it's going to be it's going to be fun to do, but everyone has to do their job involved. Like the throw comes first, the lift comes first, whatever, you know, that comes first, obviously. But we said, this is what we do and what will we call it? And someone goes, uh, or we said, I, I can't remember who we asked. We asked one kid, we said, what do you want to call it? He says, Pablo Chacon. And usually, you know, they say, oh, B-ball or something ridiculous. And he just goes, yeah. Pablo Chacon. <laughs> and we all kind of looked at each other like, where did you get Pablo Chacon from? And he goes, it's his dog. So next thing we're looking at him going, <laughs> why did you call your dog Pablo Chacon? He goes, it's the bad guy and we're the Millers. And it was just suddenly this whole conversation of, <laughs> okay, can we get back to this line now, please? We're going to call it Pablo Chacon. But I think just that little bit of enjoyment of giving the players that ownership of, you know, what do you want to do with it? And it, like, oh, we scored so many off it. Like it was, it's the best lineup move. I, I, I like it's, it, we enjoyed it so much that season. But when it was called, there was a genuine excitement amongst everyone, like, oh, nice one, we're running a Pablo Chacon now. And when it worked, like, fellas would be laughing and they'd be running back and they'd be going, ah, that was class. Like, you know, this is this is good fun because it was their move. It, it, it was nothing to do with us, you know? And um, it's important that, you know, I think even when you employ a framework or a decision or a defensive system or something, that when you ask the players or when you tell the players what it is, if they turn around and say, oh, well, can we not do it this way? You know, you have to you have to buy into them just as much as they're buying into you because otherwise, why are they there, you know? And um, I remember, again, with that same team, we had a, a move off a line-out. And I remember the 10 said to me, we'll have to do it with a full man because we were doing it off a of five. And I said, can we not do it off the five? And he said, well, if we do it off the five, we'll have two more defenders out there. And that's something that I hadn't spotted. And I said, well, do you know what? You're actually bang on. Yeah, we'll do it off a of full. And like that, you know, a simple comment from a player shows that you know you don't know everything and I, I don't know everything you know and um even the the backs coach i, I actually blame rochi for not copying that one but <laughs> <laughs> you know it's something that simple as um you, you can chat to the 10 or you can chat to the 12 and say what do you think of this is this okay and be honest and they can say well i actually don't think that works very well because of x y and z and you said you know what you're actually bang on the money i didn't think about that and suddenly it's developed some, somewhere completely different so in terms of giving the players autonomy yeah, I think you have to. Um, I think given a framework versus given a structure, they're two different things. You know, like this is how we'd like to play rather than this is what we're going to do. And the framework just gives a lot more freedom to them. And if you look at, uh, especially Racing, especially, um, and I know the players they have in their back line, they can do anything they want, but um, they have a framework that they play within. And what they do within the framework is up to them but they still have that, that framework around them and to give them that autonomy and freedom, especially the likes of Russell or Zebo or Curtly Beal, that kind of, you know, that kind of player, to give them something to, to work with, but also say you can, you can add to that in your own special way is just going to make them a better player because you're not only showing trust in them, but you're allowing them to do what they want to do. And they're obviously going to do that an awful lot better than what they're being pigeonholed into, you know? Mm. I think especially at sort of youth rugby and stuff that that fun element is ma major and you know even if you're part of one of the the big six rugby schools here in, in Leinster you know if they're enjoying their time in rugby and they're playing game you know playing a game that 
that they like to play. I mean, if they leave the pitch saying, look, oh, we lost 40 nil, but I actually had great crack because we tried this and this and this and this, you know, I think you're going to win with that. And I, my, my question was going to be, how do you sort of facilitate that sort of autonomy and fun? But I think, you know, as you said, it's more of, you know, the framework versus the structure kind of thing. And I know for us, um, with the school I'm coaching, the, the only thing that we um, prescribed was the attacking setup. But with the attacking setup, like they had four or five different decisions they could make off the way we play. Um, everything else was up to them. So scrum plays, line-out plays, you know, back plays, they came up with absolutely everything. And they could go wild with it and it could change halfway through the season and they could see a new one and, and just give it a shot and it just made for a very sort of uh i guess like a, a fun and trusting sort of environment as well and I, I think that can't be underrated at any level i think you nailed it there with there has to be an element of i think enjoyment and fun are two different things they should always constantly enjoy it enjoy it sorry but um the fun side of it you know like what is fun like you talk about messing and stuff like that I think enjoyment comes from them taking ownership of something and seeing proof that it works and being given like you said the trust to employ it as well and um, like you know you mentioned the big six there and stuff like I was involved with one of them for a few years and there is a pressure there to do well I suppose but at the same time you do want them to enjoy it because I think fun is something we often forget or enjoyment is something we often forget as part that's why you play you know you, you you go out to score tries you go out to get your hands on the ball you go out to you know to try and do something and to to enjoy your time with your friends like and you know if you have a second row and I often refer back to him because I thought like he was unbelievable that season but if you go back to Ali Muldowney the year Connacht won the cup you have a suddenly you have a second or the, the pro 12s it was um, you have a second row who's standing in at first receiver like countless times. You have a first or you have a second row standing in second receiver countless times. And if you, I'm sure, if you asked him, what did you prefer, uh, playing uh, a structured game where your job was to hit rocks and to to ensure quick ball, or a game where you were literally standing first receiver, maybe 15 times a game, which do you prefer? I'm sure he'll say, well, first receiver because I was given decision making and I was you know, given empowerment of what to do with the ball. And, you know, I think it's important with, especially, you know, people might have this view of, uh, you know, forwards, you know, your, your seven, your eight are your skillful ones and your hookers always a skillful one. I don't know how hookers do it. They always tend to be incredibly <laughs> skillful, but, um, you know, your, your front row can throw a pass, no problem as well, you know, and especially if it's a link pass or if it's a catch pass, you should be trusting everybody in your squad to be able to do a catch pass. So, I mean, to have a second row, to have a prop, and Kyle Sinclair does it a lot with Bristol. He's a he's a he's an unbelievable link player, almost the same role as Muldowney took in that Pro 16. And you know, to have your your front row throwing those passes, or to to be given that decision making: will I go? Will I pass? Will I step? Will I take contact? Like that's what you want to do. You you want to play the game, and you want to have that open expansion in front of you, and that does give you ownership, and I think that does lead to enjoyment because it's your team. Like it's not the coach's team. And I don't think it ever should be the coach's team. It should be, it should be a player led team. And if you have a team that, if you have a team of players that can say, we'd like to do this and we, we, we fully back this or we can plan this. Then, I mean, a coach's role is just facilitating at the end of the day and making sure like, I mean, you'd love to go down to a training session where your players 
tell you, okay, stand back and we're going to take training tonight. That's incredible, you know, and uh, we used to do that as well. And you, you'd say, okay, you know, you might have someone who can't train for X, Y, Z reason. I don't know, but you can say, okay, well, if you can't train, you're still going to be there. Will you run this drill or will you run a couple of drills? Give them a focus. Like we want to work on breakdown speed or we want to work on, I don't know, just simple passing or something like that. But you're in charge of that. Off you go. And to see how they're empowered then to do something. So it's something so small, but they take it so seriously. And then players see that they're running it and they say, okay, well, that's a good drill. I better be, you know, on the money if it's ever me, you know, and uh, we tried something as well, like an off-field captain. Like if you weren't selected for a 23, you're an off-field captain to go as well. And you give your thoughts and you're, you're essentially just as important as the captain on the field because you're giving your thoughts afterwards and you're thinking, you know, what, what went well and everything like that. And it was just a way of empowering people who weren't involved as well. That worked really well for, for us too, you know? So, I mean, there's loads of different ways to, to employ that. And I don't know half of them, you know, and I'm not like, I'd never say that the way we did it is the only right way, but you know, as long as it's the players feeling empowered and the players feeling like they can run something, then I think you're onto something straight away. Uh, if the players don't feel central to it, if they don't feel central to the style of play or the environment, then I think you're going to be in trouble because it, sh- it shouldn't be about you. Do you know, it shouldn't be, you know, if if, you, if a team scores a try, they, they shouldn't be saying, OK, yeah, that's um, that's because the coach said to run this move. It should be because we recognised what was on and we took ownership of it. Um, so I think that's very important. Like ownership does lead to enjoyment and does lead to to trust as well, you know. Yeah, look, I, I think we could talk for hours about coaching philosophy, but I think my my favourite thing or favourite one I've heard is sort of, you know, your role as a coach is to make yourself redundant almost. And I think you've, you've sort of mentioned that, that almost that you can stand back and that your players know exactly what they're doing and, and you don't need to give any more input. So Absolutely. I uh, agree and, with uh, everything. Even just you see it with captain runs and I know like with, uh, with club rugby, you know, you don't get that chance, you know, to have a captain's run because it's not you don't have the time you know but mm-hmm. like we've done it a couple of times um myself and rochi we used to do it another guy me and a guy called dave murphy who was coaching in trinity as well he was an excellent coach as well a really really good young coach actually as well and um we used to try to do it the odd time a captain's run on a friday um back when we were in schools and stuff and you could just say right we'll meet for half an hour after school we've nothing to do with it walk through it and, you know, like it was it was literally like this is your half hour. We're only here for for insurance reasons. You know, we're, here, we're, we're just here to make sure that you have adult supervision. And afterwards, it's your half hour. So you're out in time. You do the warm up, you, not even a warm up, it's only a walkthrough. But just to say, OK, we're comfortable with this. We're comfortable with that. And, you know, at the end of it, then you just call them and you say, right, that's us done. Uh, we leave you with, I don't know, whoever's captain, you know, and good luck we'll see you and myself and Rochi or myself and Dave or myself and whoever it was would just walk off and um, we just leave them together as a group and we often found that when we did that there was never messing you know there was never someone talking there was never someone um, paying not paying attention or looking at the clouds or something they were all zoned in because it was it was theirs and like you said we were redundant we we were just there I suppose the spectators you know and uh, that that's exactly where, I, where you want to get as a coach. You just want to be in the background there. If someone needs you, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, you're not going to, if someone asks you a question, you're not going to go figure it out or whatever it is. But well, sometimes you might, but, you know, you, you're just there to, to, like you said, to become redundant and to facilitate what's going on around you. 
Um, and I know there's a, a good few names dropped there as well. And obviously you've, you've learned it a, a little bit from the guys that you've spoken to. Um, so I'd love to sort of chat to you a little bit about your, your podcast work and stuff now. And actually just on, on those sort of points you made around your own coaching philosophy and stuff. Obviously you've had Bernard Jackman, you've had Andy Friend on a couple of times, you've had Adam Griggs. Um, is, is that something that you find that those coaches also sort of align to that kind of maybe the enjoyment or the, the, the you know, the, the player autonomy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the, the coaching side of it, I started like that just during lockdown because we weren't out coaching. Um, so it was just more for myself. I wanted to reach out and uh, um, I just wanted to reach out and, and learn, I suppose, while I was doing something and like that, I said, you know what, I'll just package it up and I'll put it out and uh I actually, I wasn't going to do it. Um, I was, I was never going to have a podcast because, like, um, I just, it's just not me, you know. And uh, a friend of mine said, "Just do it, like, um, do it for yourself, if anyone, and enjoy it." So I, that's exactly why I did do it, and uh, it went really well. Um, well, for me personally, it went really well. I should say, not uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean chat wise or anything, but uh, just personally, like in terms of learning, um, it's been excellent, and um, even. It's funny because a lot of the time, like uh, there's an episode with Mike Prendergast and uh, Prendy's from Limerick, a really nice fella. And, you know, that episode's 40 minutes long, but I was two and a half hours on the phone. To him, and this was before the baby just to, to <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't ignoring anybody, <laughs> anything like that. But, uh, no, it was, um, yeah. So like the episode's 40 minutes long, but I was I was at least two hours on the phone from, to the point where I was thinking, I've really annoyed this man into talking to me. But I like he couldn't get me off the phone, but I couldn't get him off the phone. And it was, uh, that was it. We were just talking and sharing and trying to figure things out. And the, I suppose the position to be talking to someone of that level about an issue that I may have or an issue that I faced that I needed an answer for, to be privileged enough to be given that time was massive. Um, and I suppose the, the first thing I found, I know you asked about autonomy, is that something they all give? Uh, and a lot, they, it is, that is one thing that they do give. But what I found the biggest thing they gave and the most kind thing they offered or the kindest thing they offered was their time. Um, they like, um, there was there was a time I reached out to Pat Lamb and that now I mean that was a hit and hope I didn't think it would work or anything like that but uh, he got back in touch with me and he said yeah um, no problem uh, we, we'll organise something and we did and the 45 minutes he gave me was before a training game he was having with Bristol and it was direct it was the direct 45 minutes before that game so he was clearly up the walls that morning but he was still kind enough to offer his time um, like you said, Andy Friend came on a couple of times. I mean, he was on his episodes are both one hour long. So that's at least two hours on top of the phone call before and after. And he couldn't have been kinder with his time. Bernard Jackman, you know, even um, he, like he still even, you know, texts or whatever, like, you know, and that's not that's not part of anything. That's just him being kind with his time. And uh, I think that's what I found with all of them is they were just so, so open to sharing and it didn't there was none of this kind of like oh I can't tell you that because someone else might hear it it was this is what it is this is what we do and you know share it with the world and uh, there was no I suppose no nervousness there was no 
you know, they had no agenda. It was just, you had a question of how we do something. This is how we do it. Now, you know, and that was it, you know, and to be, to be, to be able to talk to them like that was phenomenal. And, um, you know, people said like, Oh, how do you, how did you get so much out of them? Or how did you get him to open up on such a subject? Like, literally I didn't, it just said, how do you do X? And 10 minutes later I knew, um, just because they were so, so generous, um, now, in terms of autonomy with their players, they are very much the same. Uh, they like it player-led. Uh, they have leadership groups. They have, um, and it's, it's funny, even Adam Griggs talking about his leadership group compared to Pat Lamb, how he organizes his leadership group. Like Pat Lamb um, sends out questionnaires. He takes CVs. He conducts interviews. Adam Griggs said, you're the players, you organize it. You know, and to have, like, even something's like, y- you listen to one, you think, okay, that's the way it's done. And then you hear another one, it's the complete opposite, but works just as well. There's no one way of doing things. And I think when it comes to the pitch then, I mean, we all know how Pat Lamb teams like to play, you know, uh, lots and lots of width and like that. You have a guy like Kyle Sinclair on the ball a lot, you know, to make decisions. But um, you also look at, let's say, how Connacht like to play. Connacht, like under Andy Friend, they play the exact same way. Lots and lots of autonomy, lots of decision-making. And I know you know, a couple of decisions in the last while, you know, kind of they've been debatable and people have talked about them a lot. But like at the end of the day in the, the post-match interview, if you listen to him, he says, well, the players made the decision. I'll back them every day of the week and maybe we need to be better somewhere else. But I will back my player for making that decision because they believe that was the best decision, you know. So to to have that at the professional level, um, at what is a cutthroat level, you know, there's no like professional sport is so fickle you know and to have that trust in your players at that level and to be comfortable enough to give them that trust um proves that at an amateur level or at a club level that there's no reason not to if that makes sense yeah yeah and is there is there anything like because i know you've had an awful lot of of guests on is there something that you've sort of taken away maybe maybe one you know one sentence or one bit of advice or something that has stuck in your mind since you talked to that person yeah um there's been a few uh one with adam griggs was definitely look at the decision versus execution and it's something i'd like to think i always did it anyway because i like i remember once uh, a guy called josh dixon he played six for us and he's one of the best players i ever coached just because of his sheer I suppose coachability, if that's even a word, he just wanted to learn. He just wanted to be better. And he was an absolute gentleman. Um, but I remember he, he played six for us. And one day he was carrying down the wing and he went to chip through and he dropped the ball to kick it, but he forgot to kick it. He just kept running. <laughs> and uh, the ball, the ball dri- like dribbled into touch and he stopped and he just put, he just kind of shook his head. And I was on the sideline with that. Uh, I think it was Roti at the time. And the two of us were just, we just burst out laughing. <laughs> And Josh looked at us and I was like, do you forget to do something there? And he was like, I saw it in my mind. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. You know, whatever, next job. And, you know, it, it was very, I suppose, easy at the time to laugh and to kind of joke. But, you know, we had that relationship that, you could, you know, I wasn't laughing at him. Like I was laughing at his reaction almost more than anything because I saw what he wanted to do and he just didn't do it. But, you know, um, you know, so that's and uh, that's the decision versus execution. I wasn't going to give out to him for for dropping the ball because what he was about to do was right. He just didn't execute it, you know. And so that was one piece of advice from Adam Griggs. And uh, I suppose another one, 
and it's one that comes up quite a lot and it's one you know at the end when i say have you any advice a lot, one that comes up a lot is always always keep learning just keep looking to learn and uh i suppose it's very simple to say you know keep looking to learn and uh like i teach for a living so it kind of it's right up my alley you know but um it's more it's more just keep reaching out keep looking to to improve and you might think like like okay i have a good understanding of this but when you break it down fully how good is your understanding or how better could your understanding be what's the next level i suppose and i suppose that's something um like i take essentially because i mean i haven't coached at a high like a very high level i'm not an elite coach i was never an elite athlete um there's people that I went to school with who might listen to this and say, sure, Jeff Neville, he was useless. And there's people who I've probably coached or coached alongside and might be listening and say, sure, he doesn't know anything. Like I remember I asked him before and he said, I don't know. Like, well, that's a different, that's a different story is uh, being able to, you know, being able to say, I don't know, I think is a different thing, but um, you know, there's, pe- there's people listening to this who might know me and say, sure, he's useless. But again, I'm just looking to get better as well, you know, and, like I'm putting myself out there to get better. And if you don't put yourself out there, you never will. Um, and I suppose the third thing, uh, the third best piece of advice is actually that I don't know. And it's something that Andy friend mentioned, Andrew Brown mentioned it with Weegens as well. He was very big on it. Um, to be vulnerable enough to be able to say, I don't know is a very good thing. If a player asks you a question, like what do we do in this situation or, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it may be to be comfortable enough to say, do you know what? I don't know. But then to turn around and say, but I will find out and I will come back to you with an answer. And to be able to say, I don't know, but I will find out shows, shows vulnerability, but it also shows that you have that desire to get better and to improve yourself. And, uh, you know, that comes from having a good relationship with the players and, you know, the, the players having a buy into everything you're doing too. And, uh, you know, that comes from, simple things i think like being on time from being organized to knowing what you're going to do to having a clear plan to not just rocking up five minutes beforehand and putting out cones and saying okay we'll try this it's it's having that plan and having that buy-in from the start that's important and uh yeah so those three pieces of advice i'd say always keep learning um the decision versus execution and uh you know just be be comfortable i suppose be who you are and you know, don't, don't say, oh, well, X, Y, Z has all the answers. So I should have all the answers. You know, nobody, nobody has all the answers at the end of the day. And uh, just being comfortable in yourself to be able to say that. I think there's a, an expectation almost, or I guess everyone's aim would to eventually be, um, I think the term is like a professor in the sport that you're coaching. But, you know, I, I definitely aware of that, but it's sort of known that you don't have to be that right now. Like you can be that, you can be a professor in your sport in 60 years, you know, you can, you can say when you're, you're old and in your rocking chair, right. I know absolutely everything about the sport that I used to coach, but you know, you don't have to be there now and it's, it's a learning curve. And I guess that's why the, you know, the analysis work that you're doing helps obviously other coaches also helps you with your own knowledge and, and, and how to apply that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I I think being an, an expert or a professor is never actually going to happen to be honest because the game changes so much and you know there's always something there there's always um there's always a new defensive system there's always a new uh way of tweaking a law to your advantage like i mean if you look at the you know you know that caterpillar rook in order to box kick you know 
you go back 10 years ago, you never saw that, you know, and little things like that. And you used to see blockers, I suppose, kind of uh, lining up alongside the rock to stop runners coming through. And you don't see that anymore, you know? So I think in terms of always being an expert or anything like that, I think you can know a lot, but I don't think you'll ever know everything about it, to be honest with you. Now that may just be me, but um, there's just so many changes and, you know, it's, it's like life in general. You, you know, you can never know everything. Yeah. No, and I know obviously you've had um, a lot of success with the, with the podcast as well. And if anyone hasn't, hasn't listened into it, it's very interesting. And obviously it's, um, it's, it's quite good. Sort of the, the different characters that you hear, because you have the likes of say Fiona Hayes, who's like, Jesus, the most energetic person you'll ever meet in your life. The most buzzing person <laughs> I've ever spoken to. <laughs> You know, and, and then, you, you know, you have the likes of, say, Bernard Jackman, who's probably one of the most knowledgeable people that you'll ever meet. So um, I guess my last question was sort of around maybe common characteristics that you've seen. I, obviously, we, we've chatted about, you know, that people sort of allow for these things in their coaching environments. But, you know, them as people, have you noticed anything sort of a, a common trend amongst them? Yeah, um, I suppose every last one of them. I know I've said it already, have been open Um but I think that's a trend that you don't see amongst coaches, probably the lower leagues you go. Um, I think sometimes you can, like you could, you might, you could have a conversation with a coach on an opposition team, or you could ask them a question. And sometimes you might not get the answer you think you'll get, uh, or sometimes you mightn't get an answer at all. And I think it's because, you know, people think, Oh, I can't tell him that secret because, you know, he'll figure us out. But I think at the end of the day, um, to be again to be at that level and to be so open um, was incredible uh, like Fiona Hayes now um, like you said just a ball of energy like uh, and, and like <laughs> it was a it was probably a good contrast because I have quite a dull labor- laborious voice but and then suddenly you have Fiona coming in and she, she's just a ball of energy um, well, it was funny but that energy and I suppose shows she cares and every last one of them cared so much Every coach I spoke to, very, very open, uh, very, very giving of their time uh, and very, very kind with their time. And the, it was Andy Friend who said it. He said, the, the, the greatest thing I can give you is my time because I, I just can't get it back. So when he said that, you know, and he's, he's there on the phone with you for a couple of hours chatting, just chatting sport and just chatting rugby and chatting problems and chatting solutions. And he says, the greatest thing I can give someone is my time. And then he's giving that to you. It really really rebounded home uh and then to have every other coach do the exact same thing now they may not have said it they may not have said you know the kindest thing i can give you is my time but that's exactly what it was you know um so to just to be that open and to be that i suppose open to sharing and there's other people there's another guy another analysis um his name is grant davies and he's uh he's on twitter gdd coaching um like he's just so knowledgeable about the game but everything he puts up is just open to look at and he interacts with people. He um, like, I, I'd say, I genuinely would say I talk to him, if not every day, every second day about a video or about, you know, a coaching problem or about how to do something different or what would you look at here? And even himself, like I, like you said at the start of the show, at the top of the show, you've never met me in person. I've never met him in person, you know, and I don't know if I ever will with the way COVID's going, but um. <laughs> just the fact that he's so open with his time as well you know so um it's 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 really been eye-opening how 
how open and how kind they are with their time. Um, another characteristic, I suppose, is just how much they care about the team and about the sport and about making sure that it's going from strength to strength. Um, again, chatting to Jerry Flannery, he said, you know, I was, I was after, it was, on, it was just on the phone call afterwards, he said, why do you do it? Like he asked me. And uh, I was kind of thinking, well, uh, out of everyone who's I've spoken to has never actually asked me that, you know, and I, I was chatting away and I said, you know, I just I just love the sport and I just want to see to me. It's very much like teaching to see something register or to see someone learn it and finally understand it for me is the payback, you know, um, or just to get better, you know, at whatever they want to get better at to see them do it. That's like that's class, you know, and you know, I said that to him and he just said anybody who cares enough can be a coach Mm -hmm. and I think players see that too and that comes back earlier to what I said about showing up five minutes beforehand and chucking out a few cones that's not caring that's being there that's they're two very different things you know and to care I think you have to be on time on time is early you know but you need to have a plan you need to have it registered because at the end of the day it's a team sport and players will register very very quickly if you're if you don't care, players will see that pretty much immediately. If they mm-hmm. come up to you with a question and you say, I don't know, and then you don't go figure it out, players will know you don't care. Um, so, yeah, they just care so much about about the sport. Like, they care so much about the sport that they were willing to talk to me for an X amount of time yeah. to, to, to make it public, you know, and they just want the, they, they want people to get better as well. And they want people to get better who they'll never meet. Like they'll never meet me probably, you know, and uh, I know I've met some of them, but like they, some of them, I will never ever cross paths with again, but they've taken the time to help a stranger, you know? So um, those kind of characteristics, I suppose, was the most, again, very long-winded answer to a very short question, but those, um, those characteristics are probably the ones I saw most. It was just their openness and uh, their care and kindness to, to helping people get better. Um, and I suppose the other side of the, the coin is as well was their pure intelligence um, regarding the sport and regarding their, the topics they spoke about. Like I could have spoken earlier. I could I may have answered a question earlier that was mindless, you know, um, you know, someone might listen in and might think to themselves, he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, but anytime I was talking to them or any coach I spoke to, they knew exactly what they were talking about. They understood what they were talking about. They knew the why behind what they were doing. And um, they were just so intelligent, but they also were very quick to say, I don't know everything. And they said, the way I do things in the past was completely wrong. And when I, when, I can't remember who it was, but someone said, when I look back at where I was five years ago, I think to myself, what was I doing? Like I was way off the mark. And to have that reflective practice involved in recognizing that you weren't you weren't God's gift regardless of the level that you were coaching at to, to, to recognize what you were doing could have been better and to keep tweaking that and to keep looking forward to getting better. Um, every last one of them had that, you know, and chatting to Fiona and she, you know, she said like, um, like me, she said that when I was going into the women's game, she was going into the men's game and we both felt the same nerves, you know, but yeah. I mean, you're not going to know that without discussing it. And she benefited, I benefited, and it's from looking to get better, you know, and it's, it's, it's those little lessons that you'll take with you in order to keep getting better and to keep pushing yourself on. And, you know, they recognize they're never going to be the finished product, but you know, if you, what's that old saying, um, 
if you strive for perfection, you can reach excellence, you know, and uh, it's important to keep that in mind too. Yeah. Or I guess the, the advice there is if you want to speak to some international coach, set up a podcast. Um, <laughs> but that's... Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's brilliant. And that's very interesting. And um, obviously, if, if people wanted to, to listen into those podcasts or to have a look at, at your analysis work or anything, where would they be able to find you? Yeah, well, uh, the podcast, wherever you listen, um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that. And it's a very original name. It's just the Loose Head Podcast because uh, I couldn't think of one. So <laughs> <laughs> that did the job. And in terms of the videos, then um, Instagram or Twitter. And um, by following the handle at the Loose H, as we discussed earlier. But uh, And then if anybody wants those videos, they might not be any use and you might not think they're any use. But if you want them to 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 use with your own teams or to send in as a as a, an example of something just get in touch and i'll shoot them across that's no problem and you know they're there for you and you can get some uh lovely the loose head merch as well i have a hat myself and i think there's some uh the prop life t-shirts getting made as well so yeah well, already co- covid and brexit now we're putting a mix in that so uh <laughs> you know it's, if it's not one thing it's another so we'll coming see. soon coming that's soon it. All right, no, look, Jeff, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. It's been been massively interesting um, and sure, best of luck with everything now as well and, and good luck with the baby. Thanks a million, yeah, and thanks for having me on. It's, it's, uh, it was lovely to be asked.